Hello and welcome to the Simply podcast. I'm Aish Rajavelu, Content and Community Manager at Simply. And I'm Patrick Corbett, Content and Communications Director. Who do we have with us today, Aish? Today we're speaking to Sarah Conlon, Digital Communications Consultant at Nats. Sarah has been in the comm space since 2006 and prior to her current role at Nats was the Global Programme Communications Lead at HSBC. We'll be talking to Sarah about the challenges of working in internal comms within the aviation industry, NAPS's internet and digital transformation project, and her tips and tricks on how to engage employees while going through organisational change. Let's get started then. Hi Sarah, can you um, tell us a little bit about yourself please? So my name is Sarah Conlon, I work for NAPS. Um, I am a digital communications consultant um, and that what that means is that I manage um, our suite of internal platforms for our employees at NATS. Um, NATS is an uh, air traffic control provider and other air traffic services. So we look after if your plane's coming in or out of uh, the United Kingdom, we look after you coming into the country and many of the um, air traffic control towers at the airports. Fab, I love the fact you've knocked out about three of our questions already, Sarah. This is <laughs> Great, to the point. <laughs> do you want me to go back and do that just about me and then I'll do the company? <laughs> no, 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 all good. Um, let's get, get let's get a bit more on uh, your day-to-day. So digital communications consultants at, at NATS, you look after the channels, but what, what might a typical day at NATS look like for you? Um, quite a variety of things. So um, I'd say my job is pretty much 50-50 um, planned bigger projects, trying to look at the employee experience experience, trying to bring in new features, um, new tools, um, publishing content, and probably the rest of the time is dealing with issues, um, sorting out and helping colleagues in the wider communications team with things that they're trying to do on our platforms, um, obviously monitoring the content that we have. So um, I look up, look after our internet, I look after our enterprise social network and some other ones as well. So it's just kind of keeping an eye on everything. Um, a bit of forward planning and forward work and a bit of just dealing with that in the moment piece. What enterprise social network do you use? Uh, We use Yammer. Ah, still Yammer? Are you looking to go to the Viva route down the road? Do you know yet? Well, I don't don't think we have much choice. I think it just becomes Viva engaged, doesn't it? So I don't think we get any choice in the matter over that one. (laughs) Fair enough. How often do you, is is, is Yammer really widely adopted by your organisation? I find that it's either the bible or it's just a what or it's just a dead channel is it is it widely adopted it's not a de- definitely not a dead channel for us i wouldn't say it's the uh, it's the bible um i don't think we, we that's not where we are we'd love it to be that place but it's not there i think we've got about a sort of 50 to 60 percent active user rate which is good um and we've got a core group of regular users who make the most of it um who support each other create groups keep conversations going but equally, there's a large contingent who are like, no, I'm, I'm not touching anything. It's got the word social in it. I'm not touching that with a barge pole. Um, and, and I think it's, I think many people would just prefer to have their information in one place, but they don't have to do any work themselves and just have it in one place, um, which we try to do. We try to incorporate Yammer into um, things like our internet homepage to make it easier for them to access all the content that we have on there as well. That makes sense. And um, prior to being in internal comms, um, you were in like more of the PR space. Um, why? What inspired you to go into internal comms? It, it was my route into comms was quite a um, accidental one, I suppose. 
um, I was working at HSBC in the life insurance department and my boss at the time wanted to start off newsletters um, as it always happens as a local newsletter and I enjoyed doing that and got into doing that wanted to help do a bit more PR and started working with press office um, so my role I was a bit PRE, a bit comsy, internal comsy, and then I took the leap into a purely internal comms role, uh, working for HSBC for several years, um, looking after HR departments um, and global projects, digital workspace kind of things, um, and found that sort of internal comms is my spiritual home. Really, it's, it's where I where I belong. Yeah. Funnily enough, I did an A level in communication studies, and was going to do communications at university never worked out for various reasons but life has gone full circle and brought me back to it so um if i had a pound for every time an internal communicator said that they came to ic by accident i'd, I'd have at least 20 quid let's be honest yeah. um, but, uh, and it's really interesting i, I think it's interesting yeah because you, you you think i always think of internal comms as yes there are there are things that you can learn around it. There are models and there are right ways and wrong ways, of course, to do everything. But so much of it is instinct and experience of what has worked, what doesn't. How do people respond to this? How do people respond to that? Putting yourself in the ability to put yourself in somebody's shoes and see how they can understand things. And um, I wanted to be in comms because I like helping people. I like making people make sense of their jobs. I like helping people understand and enjoy why they're at work and who they work for. And I think that is what makes it, if you can get yourself into that position, then anybody can do internal comms. You don't need to have done a degree or anything like that. And I think it's just a natural natural fit or not. Yeah, it is a, nat- a natural regression for many. But mm. questions I've got, and it relates to one of the sessions we're running in a couple of weeks at Simply IC, um, which is one you're not currently in, although I might try and steal you in a minute. Um, and that's around, um, we're running a session on, on why IC isn't really seen as kind of a, a career pathway when you're, you're starting out your career. So newly graduates or people just out of college or school, um, they tend to go for the glitzy glamour of public relations or like myself, you go for the journalist route, um, uh, like yourself. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, do you think that there's real merit in that, that actually it is a bit of a problem getting people hooked into IC from a really young age and a 45, 50 year career in it? I don't know if there's a, a problem, but I do agree that it's probably not really known of as a career option. Like part of that, partly is that because you don't get that function in a smaller company. So if you work for a company with anything less than a few hundred employees, the chances are you might just have one person doing all the communications. And so the internal side of things, or it was somebody doing a newsletter on the side of a desk or something. So it's only really large companies who have an employee or internal comms function. And so unless you're exposed to that kind of environment, um, and you know, if, you're, if you're in a large company, you're also inviting people to do whatever that company specializes plus HR plus finance plus all the other things that come with it um so I think it's partly that it's because of, of the nature of the work and the type of companies that you would end up being with your they're competing I guess with a lot of other similar roles um yeah there is glitz and glamour for the external side of things personally um speaking to journalists and things terrified me which is why I didn't intentionally step away from it but I was quite glad to step away from it um public speaking terrifies me so I'm really looking forward to this in play, but... <laughs> Well, it's good to get out of your comfort zone. I stopped being a journalist because I wasn't getting paid enough. Uh, quite <laughs> <frankly>. <laughs> um, 
I was doing like, I was doing like, I don't know, 70 hours a week and I was getting, I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> so I moved into public relations, which is quite common. Uh, but yeah, um, that, that was my reason, just a mercenary. But um, you went over to the dark side. Yeah, we all have our reasons. And as you say, like, it's nicer to speak to inter internal audience. Uh, you know, I, I found the same. So, um, you know, not trying to convince a journalist you've got an interesting story when you know it's not interesting. Internal Always. audience is a tricker because they talk back to you. That is true, especially <laughs> Yammer. They, they moan about you on Yammer. Yeah. <laughs> God, Aisha. I'll stop sabotaging the interview. No, it's all good. I was just wondering, um, what is the makeup of um, Nats and how many employees you have and where are they based and how do you reach them? Yeah, well, we have, uh, I think at the moment, bearing on the number of contractors that we have at any one time, between four and a half to five, five 5,000 um, people at Nats. Um, of those around, I think it is something like two and a half thousand are in operational roles. So uh, there are people who are air traffic controllers or directly supporting the air traffic control operation. You've probably got about another thousand or so engineers to support, obviously, our entire network of air control systems. Um, and then the rest of us are um the rest of us are in sort of usual sort of head office supporting roles so fm hr comms finance legal um we have two main air traffic control centers so we have um one up in presswick near glasgow um and in whiteley in hampshire and that's where the majority of the air traffic control is managed from so that the people up in presswick manage traffic coming over the ocean um towards towards the americas um and in the south tends to be the traffic coming from europe and then we have um, of, the, of the operational people, we've got, I think we're up to 13 or 14 airport contracts in the UK where we have the tower control as well. So um, so when you go into Heathrow, uh, Gatwick is, is our most recent contract um, where we our teams are based in the towers there to control the traffic directly coming in and over the UK. Um, so we do have a very large operational audience who are not at a computer with access to our communications day in day out um, and we have some of the same challenges that many companies do who've got those same difficulties in reaching um, the sort of frontline workforce who, who aren't in front of a computer um, we have a slight added complexity is because of the nature of air traffic controllers roles so they, as you can imagine, for safety reasons, you do not want them having any distractions when they are on the job. They are there focusing on talking to the planes that are coming in and making sure that they are flying safely wherever they need to be. Um, and so they're quite protected to make sure that they are not stressed, they're not overtired, they're not fatigued, um, they're not distracted. So as communicators, we do have quite the challenge in, well, OK, when can we talk to these people? When can we tell them um, about things that are going on in the business? So there are there are briefings with the different watches. Um, there's uh, an effort at the moment to, to, to provide iPads or make iPads available to, to um, much of the operation so that they can use it for training, for accessing um, information and stuff, catching up on their emails. Um, and that's, that's a way that we can reach them, too. Um, but our intranet and email are probably the most direct ways. So, so they do get a chance to go online. It's just not as long as, as maybe office-based people might be able to spend on it. 
Um, so we have to try and catch attention quite quickly and we use email as a sort of way that we can guarantee we can get to everybody. But even then, it might be a few days until they get a chance to read it. So it is quite hard to, to reach them. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point, I guess. Yeah, it's a similar to a, like a, a driver, let's say, um, uh, you know, you don't really want them checking their, in your case, yeah. <laughs> club while they're driving. You definitely don't want that while they're doing their, their, their bread and butter. Uh, you yeah. Know, air traffic control do you use digital signage at all or any other means kind of more traditional yeah means? yeah so our sort of our main suite is our, our internet is our, our main thing we call it the hub um we have sort of yammer for the informal conversations and the sort of you know information people might be interested in but is not really crucial to them doing their job uh, we use digital signage around our estate um so our head office uh is, is at whiteley and sort of just down from swanick where the center is um and we've got various other offices around the country in our centres as well um and in some of the airports we have some digital signage email um and we we use Unilee broadcast center um tool to sort of make them a little bit more attractive measure that and um, those are sort of the key routes so like i said there's things like watch briefings and stuff but they tend to be a, a little bit more operationally focused on the sort of what they need to know for being able to to go on shift that day um I feel like missing something, but I think those are the main ones. <laughs> of course, everything in aviation is in English, right? Everything. Yeah. The international yeah. language is English. I know because I. Yeah. So although we are. That's oh, right. I once tried to do. Um, I once tried to be a pilot, uh, and a long, long time ago, and um, that was when I realised, which I tell Aish all the time, that I'm colourblind. <laughs> so <laughs> it was the earliest effort of a, going into a career in the history of time, um, but. Uh, but yeah, again, sorry for sabotaging your podcast, Aish. But yeah, um, so so I guess at least that's easy, right? All the employee, I guess you communicate as well to all your, your your workforce also yeah. in the UK. Yeah. So things you don't have to worry yeah. about more language. So we, yeah, we're, we're primarily in the UK, but officially we are we are an international company. We do have offices and we do have contracts in um, in Asia Pacific. Um, but yes, we're, our company is is sort of. English speaking as a whole so we at least yes yeah, so we don't have to worry about the translations and everything which is which is one bonus yeah that's great and then um you mentioned briefly earlier about um your intranet and um obviously I do know like a little bit about it because you submitted an award for the simplies um so could you just talk us through the um a little bit about like the digital transformation uh, project that you took up and how the intranet was central to that yeah um so we launched our new it's not so new anymore internet uh in 2019 i think it was and um that was on the back it, it was part of a broader digital workplace transformation so i think we'd already been planning to replace our internet we'd previously been on a version on a, on a sharepoint base um and it coincided happily with a broader move across the business to move on to windows 10 and adopt the um Microsoft 365 platform a little bit more in depth. Um, so things like Teams, um, SharePoint, much more every day and update, upgrading everything. So it worked out quite nicely as part of that overall, let's just upgrade our, our everything that we do digitally for employees. Um, we, the, the work that we took on, we said we, we have Unilee as our, our internet provider and um, we, it was quite a change to go onto the new platform so our previous internet um you have thousands of pages bit of a wild west it was people out in the business owning their own departmental pages 
which in theory I don't have a problem with, except that you'd have a person leaving and they wouldn't hand it over. You'd have pages that were one line long linking to another page. It was another one single line of text underneath it. And you'd have sort of 20 pages deep in places with very little content. You'd have hundreds of pages that were just lost and abandoned and no parents. So one of the principles that we wanted to make sure was that there was a lot more control, a lot more governance, a lot more management and oversight of the way that the actual internet was managed and structured on an everyday basis. Um, so that was that was part of it. And that's what, what my team sort of do on a day to day basis is we'll, we'll build and manage content for people. Um, there was also a desire to be able to share the combination of people stories and business stories. Um, in one place. So previously, um, the way that the SharePoint site was built was limit, limited us in terms of how we how engaging visually we could make stories. And we had a, a sort of temporary platform that we plugged in to be able to share the people stories, videos and things like that in, in an easier way. But it meant the content was very segregated. And we wanted to be able to present it both because for us, showing the stories that our people have and showing inclusion, showing diversity, highlighting people's experiences and making it feel that it's not a straight corporate environment was really important to us and be able to blend all those kind of functional information, business wins and people stuff. So our new internet allowed us to do that quite a lot. So it is a sort of mixture with our, our homepage is very communications focused. We're looking at adding in a bit more in the way of productivity and its next iteration. Um, but it, it allows us much more of a blend of content. Uh, we work very closely so with our communications function is you've got an employee team, you've got our digital team that manages the platforms. We work very, very closely with the employee comms team um, to manage the flow of news stories, um, try to get the balance between keeping a, keeping a drip but not overwhelming or keeping it dead for anything any length of time and just keep it, give it a nice flow and a nice feel. Cool. You mentioned storytelling there, Sarah. Um, so what... Uh... What stories are you telling? Have you been re releasing any exciting campaigns recently? Anything particularly on your mandate for this year or next year? We do focus a lot. So one, an, an aspect of our business that's taken off quite a lot in the last few years has been our employee networks. Um, and so we have, for example, we have, have um, ones about faith. We have ones about uh, sexuality. We have ones around um, we have a women's network. We have a global one, which is for ethnic minorities. And it, it's around each of those have a responsibility to and a wish and understandably to promote awareness of, of their of what it is that they're sort of driving responsibility for and, and, and engagement with. So we do spend a lot of time focusing through the year on different public awareness weeks. Um, so, for example, next week is Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, this week is Black Inclusion Week. And the net we work closely with the networks so there's uh, members of the communications team represent uh, each each um, network has a comms person on it um to help them bring those to bring that to life a little bit more so we're not entirely reliant on those so there's a lot of it is self-generated content people will come to us with a story that they want to share um there's been some really really powerful things and it's quite when you look now compared to what three four years ago it would have been really hard. I remember you know, the first time we, we spoke to a colleague who'd, who'd gone through some um, mental health issues and she was incredibly open about it. But that was a real wow moment. That was a, sort of the first time that anybody had spoken so openly about a situation they'd been through to help others. Um, but since then, people have it's become that so much more accepted. 
and acceptable and it's people know it's okay that if they share their story they will a be helping others who might not might not you know who might need help but maybe aren't, aren't yet in a position to ask for it they're raising awareness of the support mechanisms that we have for well-being support in place and they know that they will get a positive response to that um it, it's sort of been incredible over the last few years just to sort of see how good the response is people will really would be super quick to comment with a, a supportive supportive comment on these things um, so there's been issues with people talked about domestic violence we talked about people's experiences in the Falklands War um, we've talked about deafness and um, how people with hearing um, impairments might um, might communicate with others in the workplace so it's quite a real variety but it, it's the flow now is sort of taking us by surprise I think as to how ready people are prepared to talk about that and it, it's, it's amazing to see. I think that's great and I think they, you know with it being employee group led as well you get those really powerful stories i think it's really interesting you said that it's led by a communicator do you mean literally someone in the in the corporate comms or similar function who is part of that group who will help with it or yeah they... so i think for the most of the networks i think there's one or two that possibly don't have this yet but we're working on it um most of the networks have um, a representative from the communications team supporting them with their communications and advising them so it is a to make sure that, that we're plugged in and coordinated so that you haven't got sort of you know 10 different stories all vying for space on the same week and everything sort of split throughout the year but it's also just on the mechanisms that they use um how to go about their communication so we still the network themselves are still the ones responsible but they have a representative to talk to in communications for to, to guide them on, the, on that yeah, that, I mean, that sounds really great. But there's a, one small question I've got around that. And that's um, if the, there's a group where you don't feel that anyone in the communication function is representative of um, that uh, group. So let's say it is uh, an, uh, to do with um, ethnic minorities and you don't have an ethnic minority but, uh, uh, representative on your team. Uh, how do you go around those um, hurdles? I, I don't think that really matters. I mean, because I, I think on the whole, even if we don't have somebody who is uh, directly represented by the group that that network is representing um we're their allies and we really strongly promote allyship um so i think i don't i mean i'm sure there might be situations but in that case we would just put them in touch you know some let's say somebody left and we couldn't you know we were trying to find somebody to, to, to fill their space on that network um representation i think we would just um just get them to talk to one of the regular relationship managers um yeah. for advice in that time until somebody wanted the job i think this is that's i mean i know it sounds so simple but uh it's not what i've been used to in, in my career um i think it's such a simple thing to do and such a clever way of governance and increasing advocacy and getting ears on the ground and you know those real stories so i mean i'm, I'm inspired aish i'm also yeah I'm, I'm conscious that it's your turn for a question so i'm going to also shut up <laughs> Um, I was just wondering, with the um, the digital transformation project, do you have any um, do you have any tips for internal communicators on how to manage their comms through that, how to engage with their people throughout that? Probably the number one trick is you you can't underestimate how much communication you need. Um, we had um, we we employed somebody as. as to directly manage it as pro as a sort of programs communication person, so they were 100% on the digital workplace transformation. Um, 
and over a sort of two, two year or so period. So I work very closely with her in terms of when we were launching our intranet to align all the messaging to make sure it was seen as part and parcel of the digital transformation. You know, step one would do this, step two would do that. Um, I, I think use every tool in your arsenal to try and reach everybody and do things that you might never have seen before. I've, I've been through two digital transformations in different workplaces now working on the comms for both of them and while the approach might be different and the sort of some of the tactics you use I, I think it's just never underestimating how much communication you'll need and also how much on the ground hands-on support people will need to get used to things um, obviously launching a new internet is slightly different to having an entirely different laptop interface when you work when you log on in the morning but I, I think it's if you are going through that degree of transformation, you definitely need your floor walkers, your local champions. You need all, all those kind of people who really, really know their stuff and can answer those questions and make it fun. Make it interesting. Make it something that it's not a pain in the backside that you're having to go through these changes. It's for the good. It's fun. We're going to make it a better place. Might be a little bit of pain to get through that, but it's not going to be horrific. Yeah. Well, uh, you heard it here. Make it fun. And um, you'll be speaking on the topic uh, at Simply IC. Are you looking forward to sharing your expertise? Um, yeah, very much looking forward to the Simply event. I think we're going to be talking partly about our digital workplace and also about the sort of how we how we sort of promote our people's stories through our internet as well. So that'd be really good to have a chat about that. We're, we're really looking forward to it, aren't we, Aish? Uh, and we're looking forward to you, you and Lindsay um, being joined on stage by. Honestly, he's like, a, he works for Unilever, but it feels like he works for Simply. He's, he's at every event, Matthew. So he's a really, I don't know if you know him personally, but a really nice guy. So, um, so yeah, um, you'll have a great time with him. And um, yeah, uh, anything else from you, Aish? No, that was all of my questions. Thank you ever so much for being on the okay. podcast. Thank, Thank you. you for having me.